Merry Christmas, and welcome to our Christmas Eve service from La Jolla Presbyterian Church. Today we celebrate the birth of Jesus and the wonderful miracle of Emmanuel, God with us. This is a recording of Rev. Dr. Paul Cunningham's Christmas Eve meditation, looking at the scripture of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you would like to connect with our church, you can find our website at ljpress.org. We hope to see lives transformed by our relationship with Jesus, and we strive to be a place where you experience and are able to express that transforming love of Christ. And now here's Paul with his Christmas meditation. Um, as many of you know, I spent a lot of my summers up at a Presbyterian church camp near uh, Yosemite, and it's actually where I met my wife. And it was one of those summers uh, that she came up and worked on staff. And about after the first or second week of camp, I was like, I need to go out with this woman. <laughs> and so it took me about seven and a half weeks <laughs> with two days of camp left <laughs> to finally say, hey, do you want to go down to this place called Marty's and do you want to grab a milkshake? Because in my mind, I was beginning to formulate the plan about asking her out. Now, you know, us guys, we kind of sometimes take a long time to, you know, kind of figure all that stuff out. So we went down, we were having the milkshake, and, and, and I was looking at her, and I was like, Cunningham, you got to do this now. you got to say something. And, and I don't know if you noticed this about guys... Um, we communicate a lot better side to side than we do face to face. My, my daughter, we were at a, a Los Angeles Clippers basketball game this last week, and, and you know, we're all sitting side to side. And, and my, after the game, my daughter said to my wife, I don't know if Micah, our son, I don't know if Micah and dad had a very good time because they didn't really seem to be talking very much. I was like, we had an awesome time. What are you talking about? Guys do not need to look like this in order to have a really good time, right? You can just sit side. Some of you are probably married to guys like this. Um, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. So I was like, all right, well, then we started driving back to camp. And I'm like, okay, now I'm in my element because we're side to side. <laughs> and so in my mind, I had created what I wanted to say. It was like Shannon... You're this beautiful woman who loves Jesus, who does this amazing job of working with students. You have so much joy in your life. You make me laugh. And so this is what I thought I said. <laughs> now, my wife tells me that I have um, a tendency to exaggerate stories. So I asked her that last night. I said, will you please tell me what I actually said? Because remember, I make a living by communicating. Okay, so I think through these things. And so this is what she said. Here's what you said to me. I think you're pretty neat. <laughs> and then she said, and then you kind of fumbled around some more words until she finally said to me, are you trying to ask me out? <laughs> Thank goodness God is a way better communicator than me. And thank goodness she actually said yes to going out with me eventually. And now we've been married 25 years. <laughs> you think I would know that, right? <laughs> that seems like compared to 100, I don't know. That's uh, Anyway, um, but it's funny for someone who makes a living communicating how poorly I was able to articulate that. Now, the amazing thing is the God that we serve and the God that we are here to worship this evening says to you way more 
then you're just pretty neat. He says you are beloved. He says that you are a man or woman made in his image, the Imago Dei. And it is this God who then sends his son into the world to bring life and hope and light that we might become the sons and daughters of the living God. The question is, and what this is all about this evening, is will we hear that message and respond to it? Because that's what the shepherds do. The story that we're going to read now, this is the response of the shepherds to this incredible news. that they, First of all, the angel of the Lord comes and delivers, and then the angels sing this incredible chorus around what has been said. We're in the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, beginning at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds were paying attention. The angel of the Lord comes and makes this great pronouncement that the angels gather around the angel of the Lord and they begin to sing about peace and goodwill to, earth, goodwill to people on earth. And, and then and not only do they hear this, but then they respond to it. They're hearing and listening and obeying. And it's, it's interesting to me that if you go back and you look in the Old Testament at, at the, the Hebrew word for listen, it is the word Shema. And it means three things all at the same time. It means to hear, to listen, and to obey. It's not just about hearing. It's actually an obedience that follows with what is heard. I shared a couple weeks ago, for those of you who are a part of our community, I shared a story about when I was in, in high school and taking Spanish. I was taking advanced Spanish, and our professor's name was Senora Sanchez. And Senora Sanchez had this incredible beehive of a hairdo, and, and she was strict. And basically, everything had to be spoken in Spanish. And anytime you didn't speak in Spanish, you lost points from your grade. And, and so what, but what she really loved to do, because we were a bunch of squirrely high schoolers. I don't I remember we were, I had her for junior and senior year. And, and, and you know, you know how that kind of gets and you're in Spanish and, and, and she had this voice that could like pierce the heavens and, and she would come out and she'd say, escúchame. And for those of you who speak Spanish, that's the imperative form of listen to me. I mean, and it was like, escúchame, señor Cunningham. And, and, and you would stop, but. The problem with her yelling, escúchame, 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 
is that guess what happened over time? We stopped listening and we stopped obeying, which showed in my citizenship grade in high school if you go back and look at it in Spanish. But this is the dilemma that we have oftentimes, is we hear what is being said, but we don't obey. And so in the Old Testament, that word Shema is about hearing, listening, and obeying. And the Hebrew people actually have a part of Scripture in the book of Deuteronomy that they call the Shema, which is what people are to be about. The people of Israel, it's about how they were to live. And I want to just read it to you um, as they describe that this then is what Israel is to be about. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And some of these words will probably sound familiar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then comes the action part. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These words, the Shema, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love him with everything that you have. It wasn't just something that they heard. It was something that they lived. They listened and they were obedient. And this is the story of the shepherds. They hear the word of the Lord. They go and they look at that baby who has just been born. And part of the message that they hear, I think, is a really important message for us in our day and time. The angels, as they sing that song, say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. And I don't know about you, but as I look around, I long for that peace. I long for that peace. I see a lot of strife. I see a lot of turmoil. I see a lot of anger. I see a lot of frustration. I see a lot of darkness. But it doesn't have to end there. Because what this evening is telling us is that there is a light that shines in the darkness. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, Scott prayed a part of that this evening as he was praying. There is this sense that God's Spirit hovers over the chaos. That God's Spirit hovers over the waters. And that out of this chaos, out of this uncertainty, out of this darkness, out of this void, God begins to speak and God begins to bring order out of chaos. And what the Hebrew, what's really being described in Genesis 1, and we see that oftentimes throughout all of the book of Genesis, is that God is establishing what the Hebrew people called shalom. Oftentimes we think of shalom as peace, but it's more than that. It's, it's wholeness. It's completeness. It's this idea of flourishing as God places Adam and Eve in that garden. He is expecting, he is hoping, he is giving them all of this and saying, you're called to flourish. This creation, this world, God says, I'm giving you all of this 
Live with joy. Live with anticipation. Live with wonder. Look around and see all that it is that I have given to you. You are called to flourish. You are called to live with shalom, this peace. And so when the angels come and they announce peace on earth, that's what they're driving. They're driving us all the way back to Genesis 1 and saying, do you know the one who brings order out of the chaos, who works in the midst of the void, who calls us to flourish? And what a gift. That's what this sees. That's what this day is pointing toward. Of God saying, I'm restoring all things. I'm sending my son so that my people, my beloved daughters, my beloved sons might flourish. And God says to Adam and Eve, all of this is yours. And we know how that story goes. They don't do so well. The rest of the Old Testament tells us about God saying to the people of Israel, all of this is yours. They don't do so well. God says to us, all of this is yours. And we choose not to flourish. We don't listen. We don't obey. We don't experience that shalom. So we were driving the other night, and for those of you that know me, um, I have a tendency to get lost 99% of the time that I drive somewhere. Um, so we're driving, and I, asked, I said, hey, can someone map where it is? Can, can, they, can you get on your phone and, and get us to the place where we need to go? And, and so my daughter volunteered because she's a very brave person to do this. And uh, so she's, we're driving, and she's like, okay, you're supposed to turn here. I'm like, no, 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 we don't need to turn here. I said, I know where I'm going. I, I, we can just keep going straight. She says, no, it's telling you and I, I, it's to turn here. And I said, are you using Google Maps instead of Waze? Because Google Maps always messes me up. I don't want to use Google Maps. I want you to use Waze. And she's like, give me a break, Dad. It's telling you to get off the freeway now. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know where it is that I am going. So don't. So she said, and finally she says to me, why do you ask for help and never bother listening? It's a great question. And I wonder sometimes if God doesn't wonder the same thing. Why are my people always crying out for help? And I send them help. And I show them the way. And I give them my word. And they never heed it. They're never obedient to it. They might hear it but they don't follow through. That's what I love about the shepherds. They got it. The angels say, look, God's bringing peace on earth. Jesus, if you look through the gospel of John, time after time after time again, Jesus says, my peace I give you. He says, you're going to have trouble in this world, but my peace I leave with you. He walks through the walls after the resurrection. The disciples are nervous and scared and up in the upper room. And Jesus is basically, because Jesus can do these things, I mean, he can just walk through walls. And he does that while they're in the upper room. And what does he say to them? My peace I give you. Peace be with you. This shalom, this wholeness, this completeness, this flourishing. This is what God offers to us on this wonderfully incredible night. This is what the prophecies are pointing to. Okay, so at first service, um, it was a little more, uh, how shall I say, active, maybe? 
Uh, there like 75 people sitting in the back, and the chapel's full, and, and lots of little children making all sorts of noise, and Susie Deuce, our amazing uh, director of family ministries, she got to ask all sorts of questions and play all sorts of games with dads and moms and kids, and, and then I have to, I, you know, I have to. Then I have the privilege of getting up and play, get, giving the sermon, um, and I'm like, I don't ever get to play any games. Like, I don't ever get to ask any questions or anything like that. So you're in luck. We don't have any, like, reindeer antler games like we played at first service or any of those. That would have been a good idea tonight. We need to start doing that. Anyway, so my question for you is this. And if you were at 5 o'clock service, you are barred from answering this question. Um, anybody know the second to last book in the Old Testament? You're like, great, a pastor question. We had to show up when you asked a pastor question like that. Second to last book of the Old Testament. It's the longest. It's, it's tied with um, Hosea's the longest minor prophet. His name means God remembers. Last time the answer was right over here. They got it right after that. He prophesied after the exile and when the people of Israel went back to Jerusalem. Zechariah. Did someone say Zechariah? Right on. You got it. Zechariah. So what happens as we look at the Old Testament and as you read through our, our Old Testament, you find it ends with the prophets. The last prophet is Malachi, but they're all pointing to the Messiah. They're all saying there's one who is coming. There's one who's about to come. There's one who's about to arrive. And Zechariah is fascinating because the first part of Zechariah, it's kind of weird. So some of you are looking on your phones. That's great. Just start reading it when, you're, when, you, um, like when you want to stay awake. Start reading Zechariah because it's got some weird visions that he has, he has like these... Eight kind of bizarre vision. Don't start reading it yet because I'm still preaching. Okay, so <laughs> in about 20 minutes, y'all are good. You can go home and start reading Zechariah. But it's these visions and then there's these sermons. But as we get about, about nine chapters in, his tone changes. And he begins looking toward the Messiah. He's been talking about the restoration of Jerusalem. But then he begins to say, there's one who is coming. There's one who is going to restore. The one, there is one who is coming who will allow us to flourish. And in Zechariah chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, we read this. Because it's looking to the day when the Lord returns. And he says, on that day, there will be neither sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. It will be a unique day. A day known only to the Lord. With no distinction between day and night. I love this line. When evening comes, there will be light. At the end of the day, you know what we get? We get light. We get the sunrise again. And what Zechariah is talking about is this light that shines in the darkness. This peace that surpasses all understanding. This hope that is going to come and fill the void and remove the void and make all things sacred and holy. And this evening we celebrate the birth of that Savior. The one who gives us life and the one who gives us hope. God has made room for us And our hope, my prayer, is that you will make room this evening, that you will listen for God's very clear communication about how much you are loved.
And as God has made room for you, you will make room for Jesus. Pray with me, please. Oh God, you have loved us from time eternal. You have known your plan from the beginning of time. And at the perfect time, our Savior was born in a manger. We pray that we would listen to that message again. That we ourselves would draw close to the manger. That we would worship you, Lord. And we would be reminded of all the wonderful things, of all the wonderful promises that you make to us. For God, we are a grateful people. Lord, may we draw close to Bethlehem. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for listening. New growth groups are starting up January 12th. Growth groups are a great way to get connected, build friendships, and grow spiritually. As we launch into a new sermon series on Jesus in the Old Testament, please consider signing up for one of our open groups at ljpress.org slash group. Or you can contact Erica Hill. Erica's email is h at ljpress.org. We're also launching a new adult Sunday school class beginning January 5th at 10 a.m. and we'll meet in LC4. Join us as renowned neurosurgeon and Christian author of the book, Gray Matter, Dr. David Levy, teaches on the emotional life of David. We will examine David's walk with God, his successes, his failures, and his growth. For more information, contact Alyssa Thomas. Alyssa's email is a-l-y-s-s-a-t at ljpress.org. We're hosting a one-day parenting conference on Saturday, January 25th. We're thrilled to be hosting national speakers Jim and Lynn Jackson for a special conference. We promise this will be a day that will transform your parenting and give you practical tools to parent in a way that connects you with your kids. Grandparents are also welcome. Breakfast and lunch will be served and child care will be available. You can sign up online at ljpress.events parenting. You can find a complete listing of what's going on around La Jolla Press on our website at ljpress.org. That's ljpres.org. Or call the church office at 858-454-0713. We hope you have a wonderful week full of many blessings, and we hope to see you soon.